Well, church, grab your Bibles. You're going to need them. If you don't have one, we got one on the back table. We can bring one to you. You can go get it. If you've got a device, you might want to get that ready. If you have a pen or pencil, a highlighter, you're going to need it just for a few moments. Um, but I just want to get you prepared. While you're doing that, I, I heard a story about a businessman who he ordered up flowers for his friend who got a new position, a new branch office. He was so excited for his friend. He's like, you've got this new location. This is excellent. So he had the flowers sent there. And when the businessman got there to see his friend's surprise and delight, uh, he was rather disappointed because the flowers that showed up said, rest in peace. Not exactly what he was planning for his buddy to get. So he was outraged. He, he went to the florist right away and complained. And the florist felt really bad and he said, it could be worse. He said, worse? How could it be worse? He said, well, right now, somewhere at some cemetery at a eulogy, somebody's got flowers underneath that says, congratulations to your new location. Sorry, right? Well, we all make mistakes, don't we? Uh, some of us make bigger mistakes than others, and you've heard me before from the pulpit share my mistakes. There are, there are quite a few. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we all make them. But when it comes to having a solid, growing relationship with the God of this universe, there's one place we do not want to make a mistake, right? We want this great relationship, but let's, let's be honest and admit that we still, in the midst of our our valiant and great efforts of wanting to have this relationship, we're probably going to make some mistakes along the line. And this year, uh, as we sort of started off, we said it's, it's going to be a journey. Last week, we, we talked about being a slow and steady, right? I remember um, transitioning from one part of my life to another season of my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. And as I was trying to figure it out, I was just praying, like, God, just show me. Just, you know, can I have that clear, audible voice like back in biblical times? I was like, go this way. That'd be awesome, right, if God just said that. And it's like, God, just speak to me. Show me. Like maybe the writing in the clouds or something, and, and there was nothing. And, and I was reading a, a Christian author who wrote this book. And he said, sometimes when God presents things to us, we're trying to figure out our next step in life. Sometimes he just puts a map down in front of us. He throws a compass down, and he says, that direction. You figure out the routes. I've given you wisdom. I've given you discernment. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you people to surround you. They'll help you with various routes that you're going to take, but that's the direction you go. And sometimes I think in, in Christianity, in our faith, it's like, tell me exactly how I'm supposed to grow in my journey with God. What Bible study should I do? What, what prayers am I supposed to pray? What, just lay it all out for me, right? Just spoon feed me, right? But God's like, that's the direction you're going. Just journey with me. Trust me. So as we do this, our faith journey in 2023, I'm going to ask you again, how's your journey going so far? Do you have a goal? Do you know what direction you're going? That's where you begin. And then it's a slow and steady pace, not a sprint. We talked about that last week. And then the next part is we said God's word must be your foundation, must be breathing into us. In your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll, we'll, we'll sort of tie in last week with this right now and then move into our next step. Because I just want to remind you the, the value, the importance of God's Word. So I briefly just want to hit on this scripture here. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. And, uh, and again, if you, if you have a pen or something, I'm going to encourage you to do some highlighting here in a second. 
Let's read this. My child, never forget the things that I've taught you. Store the commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep in your heart. Then you'll find favor with God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. Now, I would say this, if you're going to underline anything, I would encourage you to underline, never forget, underline the word store, all in verse 1 there. Underline in verse 3, tie them around your neck and write them deep. Commands. I would then circle, back in verse 1, the things I've taught you, circle my commands, and I would star in your heart at the end of verse 1 and within your heart at the end of verse 4. You have commands, you have what you're supposed to store, and you have where. Those are very important. Um, when I look back at these, the first thing is this, this command of what I'm supposed to be doing here. And so what is the first thing I'm doing? I'm storing up something. I'm storing up these commands. And I'm not supposed to forget them, right? We forget a lot of things in our lives. Sometimes I'll tell people, write things down. You saw me the last couple uh, weeks in Christmas. I was writing things on my hand because I got up here to announce stuff and I forgot. So I'd write it on my hands because I forgot. And it's like, I forget things at times. Here's one thing we should not forget. Write it down. Store it somewhere. Memorize Scripture. Read Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. But you know how it really sinks in? When we obey it. When you put it to application. It's just one thing to sit here in the morning and read something, but then I can close it and walk away. But if I take it and I meditate on it, memorize it maybe, maybe write it on a three-by-five card, take it with me and say, how can I apply that today? That's how I store up these commands. And you store them in a valuable place in your heart, right? What does Solomon say? The results are, it says, oh, you got to satisfy in this long life. And there, there's, this, there's a benefit to obeying God's word. There's a benefit to storing up God's commands. And sometimes you'll hear maybe the prosperity preacher say, hey, when you do this, X, Y, Z happens. Like, it's like, God will bless you with this and God will bless you with that. And I don't, I don't, I don't go that direction. There are things in God's word that he, there are promises, no doubt about it. There are promises and there are principles. And I look at this and I see this as a principle that says, you know what? If you're storing up God's commands, if you are, if you are tying them around your neck and binding them, these things are going to happen. What are these things? My life is going to be different. Oh, it may not be filled with riches. It may not be I'm joyful and happy 24-7. But there is peace. There is shalom is how that is translated. A completeness. As you read this, and as you learn, and as you obey, it empowers you. That's what God's Word does. And you see here what the next thing is in verse 3. It says, show, take the loyalty and kindness. What is this loyalty? It's actually translated here as God's mercy. Think about what God's mercy is. Mercy is this, not getting what you deserve. God says, oh, you deserve that. But I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to show you mercy. Tie that around your neck. Tie the, the kindness around your neck. When it's around your neck, here's what it is. It's on you. It's not in the next room. It's not, it's not in the next house over. It's not down the road a couple miles. 
When you have it tied around your necklace, you look in the mirror and you see it's on you. You can put your hand right there. You can feel it. You sense it. It is right there. That's what God's saying. I want my word. I want my loyalty. I want my mercy. I want my kindness on you. Write them. Store them in your heart. Keep them close to you. And again, what is there? There's favor with God. Here's another principle. When you do this, this is going to follow. You know, I think about having a good reputation. There's nothing more I'd rather have than a good reputation, right? There's times I go back to my hometown, visit family, and I might go into a store and somebody says, oh, Stump, is your dad Leighton Stump? Oh, man, what a nice guy. Man, he was something else. It's like my dad had this reputation. It's like, that's what I want. He's remembered for something. We're all going to be remembered for something. The question is, how will you be remembered? As you store up these commands, as you tie them around your neck and you put them in your heart, God's word empowers you and changes you. Now, with God's word in your heart, we're on our journey, slow and steady, not speeding forward, not sprinting ahead. Here's what happens. Something happens that you didn't plan for. Many of you have been on a trip, a vacation, a journey, and as you're traveling, as you're journeying, car breaks down, flat tire, uh, something happens. Oh, the hotel reservations were wrong. Um, oh, you go to a restaurant, they serve you the wrong food, somebody gets sick. Something, it's like it never goes as planned. Something happened, right? And so you look at your journey, it's like it's been derailed a little bit, right? Something happens. You start getting frustrated because like this isn't what I planned on my journey. The same thing's going to happen spiritually. You're, you're, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to slow and steady. Every day I'm going to spend time with God. I'm opening up his word, and, then I, and I'm, I'm storing them in there. I'm learning, I'm memorizing. But then you, something happens, and a tragedy. Something you didn't plan for. Disappointment, discouragement, death. Something happens, and all of a sudden you're like, why? What? That sort of messes up my journey here, God. Slows me down. I'm not liking it. Look what the next verse in Proverbs 3 says. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. That scripture right there, we're going to break it down into four sections, and hopefully by the end of this message, you'll have an understanding that when you're in your journey and something happens, you know how to trust and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward at that slow, steady pace. First of all, uh, this first part about trusting God. That's challenging sometimes. I mean, let's be honest, right? He's always said, he's like, oh, I trust God in everything. Oh, everything in this world makes sense to me. I trust him, right? I've used this illustration. I've used it multiple times um, in, in trying to explain how I handle doubt in my life, how I handle tragedy in my life, how I handle those moments in my life when I, I doubt God and then I'm sitting there going, hmm, this, this, how, how do I handle this moment? And it's by the help of a puzzle. Uh, I've been working with some teams this week trying to explain this to them, uh, not this exact message, but with the help of a puzzle. I know it was probably about five, six years ago in, in this church I, I shared this. Uh, not too long ago at a funeral, and, and some of you maybe that are new, you've never heard this before, but I'm just going to take a moment and explain to you how a puzzle helps me trust in the Lord. See, here's the thing about puzzles. 
and I don't know who my puzzlers are in second service. First service, you know, I got uh, Bruce Muller's like sending me text messages of pictures of his puzzle. And then uh, Roger Monin was doing his in Crossgroves. And, and then I just see a hand flip back over this direction back. Yeah, okay, got another one. All right, let's see who my puzzlers are. I, I do puzzles during this time of the year when it gets really cold and you can't go outside and do anything. I don't have a barn to go work in or anything like that or a, a, a tool shed or anything like that. So it's like break out a puzzle. As soon as the weather gets good, though, no more puzzle. But it might, me, I, I do the thousand-piece ones, okay? I like thousand-piece puzzles. Bust them out on the table. If you're like me, you separate them out. You find the, all this, anything with an edge on it, right? Here, here's the thing about the, the, the puzzle pieces. The corner pieces go in one of four spots. Those are easy, right? And then you've got the edge pieces, one of four sides, okay? A little bit harder, but you know where they're going to go. Right? And then you get all those other pieces. When I look at a puzzle, I, I look at it sort of like this. The corner pieces are the pieces in, in life that I understand, that I expect. The corner piece is a birthday. It's a holiday. It's a celebration. It's like, yes, those, I know exactly where those fit in my life. Follow me? The side pieces are your everyday stuff. Whether it's having lunch with a friend, hanging out with people, uh, different other kind of celebrations, going to the grandparents, uh, coming to church. It's a part of your life. It's what you do. You know where those fit. It's those pieces in the middle, the really um, odd-shaped look ones. The ones look like they, they just they got rejected and like just throw them out there, right? And you, you hold those up and you're like, I don't know where that one fits. Um, I mean, I'll just put it over here for now because... It makes no sense to me. Those are the discouraging moments in life. Those are the moments of rejection. Those are the, those are the painful situations with death, accidents, whatever it may be, when you're questioning, like, why did this happen to me? Why, why am I going through this, God? I mean, I've been rejected four or five times or I'm, I've got this painful moment in my life right now. I don't understand why. I feel like all I do is cry and I get upset and I'm disappointed, I'm depressed, and those are the crazy odd-shaped pieces that I, I hold in my hand. I go, I don't know where it fits into this right now. But I know it fits somewhere, but I'm just going to throw it over there. That's how I look at my life when I'm trying to figure out how to put together my own personal life. I, I do know this. I've got a box. There's a picture on here. I know inside this box there's a, something beautiful. It just needs to be pieced together. It's going to take time. And it's the same way with my life. I believe God's got a plan for each and every one of us. And right now, the pieces are all over the place. And we're just trying to figure out how that piece fits here, how that piece fits there. And it's a journey. And some pieces just don't make sense right now. Some of those pieces you won't find out until you get to the very end of your puzzle and you got those last few pieces like, ah, that's how that fits in there. And then you step back as God does and looks on and says, see, something beautiful. But right now, all you see are the pieces. And it's painful. You need to trust me. It will come together. That's hard, isn't it? But that's how I keep this journey going with me, trusting. Solomon advised his son in this scripture First thing he said was this, I want you to have a life of trust. I want you to trust in the Lord. I want you to trust in Yahweh, in God. 
He found that God was worthy to be trusted. He looked around all these people. He had a lot of intelligent people surrounding him. Oh, I could trust their word. I could trust this situation, right? We, we trust all kinds of things in our lives, but it's like he's saying, no, trust God. Trust God. How many of us have doubted God and, and moments in our lives were like, I don't know if I can trust God. Probably all of us, right? But do any of us, do any of us doubt these chairs that you sit in? When you come in here and you sat down, did anybody kick the chair, step on it, have somebody? Could you sit on here first? I want to make sure it's going to hold me. I just, I, I don't, I'm not really trusting the church chairs right now, right? So, no, you just sat on it, right? When you go to a friend's house or, or maybe you're going to a guest house, okay, and you're, you're visiting these people and you have to use the restroom, do you go in the bathroom and you're like, flush, flush. Okay, it's working. Now I'll use it. Or do you, I mean, do you test the toilet before you use it? Because it's sort of like, I know it's going to be like, why are you talking about toilets? Because here's the thing, you don't. You use the restroom and you flush it, praying that it's all going to, you know, be gone, right? None of, I mean, none of us want to get in a situation where you're at somebody's house. It's like, oh, your toilet isn't working. And um, I wouldn't go in there right away. But anyway, you know, you just, you trust simple things when you go to eat. Does, any, do, does anybody in here, before the, when the waitress gives you food, do, before you eat, do any of you? Say, excuse me, ma'am, could you come back over here and take a bite of my sandwich? I just want to make sure that I don't die from poison. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust the chef in the back. Does anybody do, no? So we just, we trust so many different things. And then when it comes to a spiritual matter with the God of this universe, we're like, I don't know if I can trust him. Right? Isn't that odd that we act that way sometimes? In your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 44. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it out of... Um, out of scripture this morning. Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah, in the midst of Isaiah, there's some incredible scripture here. And in this particular one, God's like looking at all the things that we put our faith in. He called them idols. We won't call it that. My idol might be a baseball bat or a basketball. I'm not telling you that, but I'm trusting it that it will help me get a scholarship. It will help me get off into a career. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that my job is an idol, but it will get me somewhere in life and I'll have money. Oh, I'm not going to even tell you that money is my, an idol because, you know, I'm, I'm hoarding it and keeping it and I worship it and I chase after it. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that my, my, my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend is an idol. Not that I put everything around them, you know. We won't ever call any of these things idols. But back in the day, God might have. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, this is what God says about idols. Check this out. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There's no other God who's like me. Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There's no other rock, not one. How foolish are those who manufacture idols. These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they're all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God an idol that cannot help him one bit. All who worship idols are disgraced along with these craftsmen, mere humans who claim they can make a God. They may all stand together, but they'll stand in terror and shame. 
The blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding, shaping it with all of his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood, draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane, carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty. He puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself, bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol, and he bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. And he says, ah, the fire feels good. Then he takes what's left, and he makes his god a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed. They can't see. Their minds are shut. They cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat, used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor fool, deluded fool, the poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol I'm holding in my hand a lie? Pay attention, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. I, the Lord, made you, and I will not forget you. I've swept away your sins like a cloud. I've scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I paid the price to set you free. As I read this scripture, God says we take these material objects, these things in our lives, other people, things that we think give us power, and we make them gods. Just like this, this, as he talks about this guy, he's like, I go down, I cut down a tree. Oh, I'm going to use it to, to create a fire and cook my food. And I've got a little piece left. Oh, I'm going I'm to make a, an idol and I'm going to worship it. I'm going to worship something that I just created. Now, tell me how that makes sense. You made it. So it's not power, more powerful than you because you were the creator. And yet we worship it, thinking that it will make us bigger. How foolish is that? But yet we do that, and that's what God's pointing out. And he says, I'm the creator. I am God. Worship me, the one who makes all things. The word translated trust here basically means to lay face down. It pictures a servant who's at the master's command, readiness to obey. It's a defeated soldier yielding, raising hands, saying, I I surrender. What do you want me to do? Trust God. That's what it says, trust God. Not a politician, not a policy, not a pastor, not, not your best friend. There's a lot of people that are maybe saying, go this way. Trust God. With all your heart is the next part of the verse. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Completeness. Solomon says, not part of your heart, all of your heart. It's like the person who said, well, it's like having one foot on a rock and one foot on quicksand. You're still going to sink because you're on quicksand. You need to be all the way over here committed on the rock. We should attempt to give God 
all of our trust. And it's hard. You know why? Because we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. And unconsciously at times we don't trust God. It just happens. That's why consciously we have to at times like, am I trusting God in this situation? That piece of the puzzle that doesn't make sense, do I really trust him that this will work for the good? Can I trust him? The answer to that is yes. The question is, will we follow through with it? Look at the next part of the verse. Do not depend or do not lean on your own understanding. Again, trusting God with all your heart means to decide to, to put away my understanding. That's, that's a challenge. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, here's the way I see it. Well, here's what I heard. Here's my trusted resource. Here's the media outlet that gives me everything I need to hear. Right? We have all these things that we want to lean on our own understanding. And what does Solomon say? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. We think we know it all and we're determined to be the best in every situation, but sometimes we're not. What if we're wrong? What if we're not seeing it correctly? I think about, again, who do I really want to lean on? Me or God? If you got your Bibles at Isaiah, let me go back to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let me read part of this. In Isaiah 43, it says, But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I've ransomed you. I've called you by name, and you're mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Sheba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for you because you're precious to me. You're honored. I love you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'll gather you and your children from the east to the west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. And if you were to continue to read through, you'd see time and time again where God says, there's no other God. There's never has been, never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord. There's no other Savior that was in verse 10 and 11. Verse 12, he says, You're my witnesses. I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can do what I've, or undo what I have done. Over and over through Scripture, we are wowed by God. And so I sit here and think, do I lean on my understanding or God's understanding? So let's compare the power of God. What can Rex Stump make? What can God make? Uh, let's just go with nothing and everything, okay? So do I want to lean on my power or God's? I'm leaning on God's. How about understanding? Who has more wisdom and understanding? Me or God? Go in God's direction again. Who is more loving? Me, who tends to be conditional, I'll love you if you love me, or unconditional love of God? Go in God's direction again. 
We can, we can do this all day. Go ahead and compare everything you can. Goodness, whatever it might be, mercy, grace. God's got it all. So the question is, do I want to lean on myself or do I want to lean on him? Solomon says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Lean on him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. Seek his will in all you do. When you are acknowledging him, it says in, in all your ways, acknowledge him, it means to know him. How well do you know God? It's like the more you know somebody, the more you trust them. The more you know somebody, the more you want to be around them, right? Practice the presence of God. You know, it's like, why do I have a quiet time? Because I want to know God more. That's part of my journey. If you're trying to journey with God, you can't journey with him if you don't know him. Get to know him. Reading scripture, prayer, worship. As you get to know him, he says, I'll direct your paths. There's another principle right there. A response to trusting him, he says, I will direct it. See, the surrendered heart says, I need to pull over and ask for directions. Men, we get blamed for this all the time, don't we? Oh, you'll never pull over. You never ask for directions, guys. Why is that? Because we know where we're going. That's right, right? Right, guys? Help me out here. Nobody's going to help me out because you know you'll get that sharp elbow in your rib, right? The one that was missing to create the person next to you. Anyway, so here's the thing. We think we know the way. And it's true. I mean, I, when I'm driving, I want to know where I'm going. And I believe I know where I'm going. But sometimes I don't. And in, in life, that's the way it happens. Sometimes I'm not sure. And what is God saying? Trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. I want you to know me. Because here's the thing. When you get to know me, I'm going to help you direct your path. I'm going to put you in the right direction for where you need to be going. And again, who's more qualified to direct our paths? Me or God? The answer is God. It's always God, right? When I'm trying to piece it together, somebody made this. Wouldn't it be great if I just go to that person and say, hey, when you made it, can you help me? Yeah. It's the same way with God. It's going to take me a while. But wouldn't it be so much easier if God's like, oh, that piece, it's right over here. Here, here, put it right down there. Oh, thanks. I didn't know how that fit. You obviously know how it fits. Exactly. This is a journey. And as I carry God's word in my heart, I store it there, and I tie it around my neck, and I'm journeying with God, I've got to trust him. I have to trust him. I have to trust his Direction. Worship team, would you come forward, please? I don't know where you're at, church, with your journey. I encourage you last week, you need to be on a journey. We're on a journey with God. Slow and steady, slow and steady. Pick up God's word, get into God's word. Now the part is, as you are journeying with him, with God's word, and you start having those doubts or discouragement, now comes the part of, now i got to trust him. Here's the thing. You need to know when to trust him to move forward and you need to know when to trust him to hold back. Because man's tendency is, I'm not going to go, I'll wait until I think it's right. Or our tendency is, I'm going to run ahead of God and get this done. We've got to figure that out. And how do we do that? You better be listening to what God is telling you. 
Do you picture that, that, that dad who's in the swimming pool and their little child who's on the edge on the sidewalk? And he's like, come on, go ahead and jump, go ahead and jump. And the little child's sitting there like, no, I don't want to. And they're, they're scared and they're just, they're just getting all fidgety and they're like, no, no. And you're like, just jump. All you got to do is jump. I will catch you. You just need to go, go. And, and you try to coach them and coach them. And finally, that little child's like, ah. And they jump and, poosh, and you catch them. And the, and the little child's like, what? That was fun. Again, again, do it again, right? And they get all excited. All you had to do was just trust the father to catch you. But if you're standing there, you'll never experience the exhilaration of landing in the arms of the father and celebrating with him. And then him saying, you want to do it again? Yes, of course I want to experience that again. But if you're being, I don't know, stubborn, I'm doing it my way. I'll go in when I want to go in. But when the father's calling you, you got to go. And like I said, there's a flip side of that coin where some of us, we're just running ahead of God. And God's like, you just slow down. You need to wait on this. But I don't like to wait. I don't like to sit and wait. I want you to sit and wait. Many years ago, it was my first trip to the Dominican Republic. Been in the Dominican many times. First time I was there, we had a group of 30, and I was in charge. And I was like, all right, here we go, you know. 30 of us, let's go. We land in Santa Domingo. We get off the airplane, grabbing all of our luggage, heading towards customs. Oh, I'm in a new place. People don't speak the language I'm speaking. They're speaking a foreign language. I have no clue what they're saying. I cannot read that sign. And um, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. And there's soldiers with guns. And, and okay, uh, everybody grab their stuff. And, oh, this looks like the customs. And we start to go. And the missionary that we were, was going to pick us up comes right out. He's like, stop, stop. And he says, I, I want you guys just to wait here for me. I need to go do something. Okay, so we'll wait. So we stood there and we waited. And we waited. It may have been a minute or two. It felt like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It felt like a half hour. I don't know. I, I have sitting there going, maybe he's not coming back. I don't know. And then I see these soldiers again walking through with their guns. I see somebody come up to me. He starts speaking in Spanish. I have no clue what they're saying. And they start motioning at me, like getting all, I don't know, red-faced and angry and upset. I'm thinking, okay, I think we're supposed to go. I don't know. And so it's like, all right, everybody grab your stuff. And we start to move forward with customs. Out of nowhere, our missionary's name is Jim. Jim comes out of nowhere. He's like, ah, what are you doing? And he gets in my face and he's like, what did I tell you to do? Uh, I was supposed to be back here. I was supposed to be waiting. And, and what did you? I decided to go forward. You know, I was like, I felt like this little child, like, okay. You know, even though I was like taller than him, it was, I felt that way. But it was like, he told me to wait. And out of fear, out of, out of uh, I don't know what, I, I, I just acted like, I think I need to go. He's like, no, you need to wait. Had I gone forward on my own, uh, a lot of our luggage would have been left in customs. They would have not let it go through. We would have lost hundreds of dollars. If I, I almost blew it because I was rushing ahead. Sometimes God says, stay here on this spot. Stay here on this spot. Just wait for me. Hard thing to know is, what does he tell me? Jump or wait, right? That's why you journey with him. He knows. You can trust him. You can trust him. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you on this journey and saying we want to grow closer to you. We want to be in your word. But trust is so hard sometimes because 
we can't see the final product, right? You know, we, we, we know it's there. Like a puzzle, we, we can look on the outside of the box and say, it's going to be good, but when we dump it out and they take the box away, all we see are the pieces. And that's how we feel sometimes in our life. And it's hard to piece it together, and we just got to trust you that it will come together. And sometimes, God, we just need to step away from the puzzle and quit trying to figure out that piece. Maybe we just need to stop and spend time just getting to know you and stop trying to know the pieces. Help us to know you. So when we come back to the pieces, when you tell us to move forward, we can move forward one piece at a time. Help us, Lord, to know how to trust you, how to not lean on our own understanding, but to lean on you. Help us to know you, trusting, Lord, that you will direct our paths. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for what you've given us in life. We're, we're not alone here. I thank you for a church that says, hey, we can journey together. Lord, sometimes I can be a selfish puzzle person and trying to piece things together in my life, not realizing that I have a Christian brother or a Christian sister that's maybe gone through it, and they want to help me with my pieces. Maybe you've put them there in my life for a reason. So Lord, help me not to be selfish, thinking that my own understanding is the only way. Help me to lean on my brothers and sisters, but ultimately help me to lean on you. You are God. You are Lord of all. Thank you, God, that we can trust, put all of our trust in you. Thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters to journey with me. Thank you that we're not alone. In thy name we pray, amen.